Hello and welcome to another edition of the Rock Show. This is Rob Rossi and Rock of Mike. We are live from the International. The day is August 25th, 2019, Year of Our Lord. And um, I like to say that we are the we're in the morning of the eve of the Social Distortion concert. That's right. Uh, we're going to see Social Distortion tonight over at Pier 17 at the Southport Seaport tonight. Uh, Flogging Molly is opening. A couple other bands should be good. Does the show start right at five? Nah, I mean, there's there's like two other bands, and then there's Flogging Molly, and then there's you know might start yeah probably close to that you know they probably have a schedule I don't see social D being on before 7 yeah uh, I'll, tr- I'll try to find out later exactly what time they're going yeah on. sounds good so um let's talk a little bit there were American Punk Rock Boy yeah uh Social Distortion is one of my my favorite bands uh, of all time pretty much you're in like my top 10 uh, they were formed in 1978 by Mike Ness, who yep. we all know is the singer and guitar player. Okay, he was 15 years old at the time, in high, in high school. And uh, he was inspired by seeing the sex, well, I don't know if you ever saw them live, but listening to the Sex Pistols and the Stones and other stuff like that. Uh, originally, the band was Ness on guitar. They had a guy named Casey Royer on drums. Uh, Tom Corvin on vocals and Mark Garrett on bass. Now, Ness met a guy named Dennis Daniel, okay, in high school. He was a little bit older than him, uh, and he insisted that he join the band. The only problem is, is Dennis didn't know how to play anything. So he was asked to play guitar. He said he would, but he'd have to learn. The other guys didn't want to wait, so they all left. Yeah. Okay. And they actually, uh, the other guys actually formed the Adolescents, which are another classic Orange County you know, band. punk band. Um, Social Distortion played their first gig in 1979 uh, at a place called uh, early 79 actually at a place called the the uh, Cuckoo Next Nightclub, and that was in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, it was Ness on guitar and vocals, Dennis Daniel on bass, a guy named Carrot on drums. All right, so they were like a three-piece at that time. And their first single was a song called Mainliner, with the flip side being a song called Playpen. came out in uh, 1981 on Posh Boy Records. Uh, Posh Boy was a, a label that was um, had signed many like Orange County bands in the area, so them being on it just totally made sense. Um, Rodney Bingenheimer was a DJ at KROQ um, in Los Angeles, was a big fan of the band. Uh, he would actually release some music from them. Uh, the single for 1945 was actually released on a compilation called Rodney on the Rock uh, in 1983. But back in 1982, the band was Mike Ness on vocals and guitar, Daniel on rhythm and guitar, rhythm guitar, uh, Brent Lyles was on bass, and Derek O'Brien was on drums. Now, they went on tour mostly in 1982 with a band called Youth Brigade. And if you're familiar with a movie called Another State of Mind, which is a lot of Southern California bands are featured, their social distortion is featured prominently in that movie, Another State of Mind. You can see that on the tour. Um, after the tour, they we're going to start working on an album. And that ended up being the first LP called Mommy's Little Monster. And that was released in 1983. 
the title track, Mommy's Little Man Monster, got them a lot of attention uh, and basically sealed their, uh, their, their, street, their street credit as a, as a good punk. Yeah. I mean, that's a great song, you know. You familiar with that first album? I'm not really familiar with it. What song came out of that was really well, big? Well, Mommy's Little Monster, yeah, a song called The Creeps. Yeah, I think uh, I heard the song, but they, I haven't heard the do, album. They still do... Uh, Mommy's Little Monster, they do uh, I Want to Give You the Creeps, uh, and they do Another State of Mind. They do that a lot, too. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's a great album. It's, it's cool. It's got, like, the skeleton on the car and everything. And, you know, that no, I remember the record. I just never got the record. Yeah, you probably got into a more second, third album and yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, because that was, uh, that was no, later on. Yeah. Um, they also had a lot of fucking band members, man. Yeah, they did. They went through, yeah, they went through they, early on. They went through a lot of people uh, until they solidified with a few lineups that worked over the years. But all right, shout out to Boogie. Shout out to Boogie. Hey, Boogie, Boogie is. <laughs> um, when this album came out, uh, you know it, it, it solidified them as a, as a great punk band, um, but. Uh, Mike Ness was basically homeless at this point. Uh, he was also starting to get heavy into heroin. Uh, serious heroin addiction he was getting. Uh, he was hopping from couch to couch. He didn't have a place to live. And this would, you know, affect the band. Uh, they, Lyles and O'Brien, the bass player and the, and the, and the drummer, would leave uh, in the middle of a show in 1983. Just got up and left. They will be replaced with uh, John Mauer on bass and Christopher Reese on drums. And the band kind of went on hold for a little while due to Mike Ness's drug problems. And he had a lot of legal problems as well. He was constantly getting locked up, arrested for you know, whatever he was doing. He talks about this in some interviews in length. Uh, you know, it really affected the band at that point. Yeah, because they took like a hiatus. Yeah, for I mean, a while. Like the album came out in '83. That was their first album. Yeah. You know, and then they wouldn't get back together until 1986. So they took like three, a, years. three years. Yeah. And people are probably wondering. Ness did some time too. I yeah. During that, yeah. Like the, a year or something. The like band that. that I got, I got Mike, Johnny, um, Bennett, David, and they also had a keyboardist. Was that uh, the keyboardist comes later. Uh, I think on their last one or two albums, they, they had a keyboardist, but not not the early stuff. Um, they would reform in '86, and they would start to record the second album, which is called Prison Bound. Now Ness had gone to rehab. All right, he was back. He was clean and sober, and the album got released in 1988. They did some shows between '86 and '88, and they worked on the album. The Prison Bound album never charted in the top 200, but it's classic. Okay, yeah. it's it's got uh, the, the title track. Um, it was considered different than the first album, Mommy's Little Monster, because it had more elements of like country and roots rock. Okay, Stones influence kind of sound, uh, Johnny Cash influence. Yeah. Okay, and uh, that's when you started hearing the term cowpunk. Okay, they kind of originated that in a way. They're the one that did the whole rockabilly. Did they really yeah, like there the was a rockabilly influence. Absolutely. Yeah, so cowpunk. Why was that called cowpunk? Because it was kind of like a mix of country and punk. So they called it cowpunk, cowboy. Cowboy, it's a cowpunk. There's a few bands like that uh, that pull that off very well. Uh, the Super Suckers are another one that I like. Oh, yeah, Super that, Suckers that pulls a good that band. off very well, too. They, they have a whole album of country songs, actually. 
Um, okay, so they were signed with Epic Records right after that yeah. in 1989. And there was a producer named Dave Jordan that was interested in working with them. Dave Jordan had done a lot of work with the Talking Heads, Frank Zappa, the Rolling Stones, and Jane's Addiction. He had Frank a, Zappa. A, yeah. Uh, he was signed on to produce for them, and that would be the self-titled third album, just called Social Distortion. Yep. And the tracks on that album would include Ball and Chain, Story song. of My Life, Not a great song. Uh, Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. Great song. Uh, most Social Distortion fans, and I, I pretty much agree with it, I think that's their best album. I, I love that album. That's really yeah. the album. I think yeah. that might have been the first album I got from them. Well, yeah, I mean, they were getting MTV play at that point. Okay, they did a they did a video for Ball and Chain that uh, started off, I think, on the old uh, 120 Minutes show on MTV. I remember it, that but it, show. But it, but it crossed over into like the mainstream. Mainstream, you know, and it, it was doing very well. Um, okay. Uh, they would tour immensely during that time, and I, that's when I first saw them too, I think. Uh, I remember seeing them a bunch of times between like 89 and 91. They were like opening for the Ramones, they were opening for some other punk bands. They played all over the neighborhood. They, did. they, they were did. all over and, the and place. They would, they would play CBGBs. There's a great clip. It's a whole show, really, not just a clip of them. I think it's around late 90s, uh, mid 90s, maybe late 90s, doing a whole show at CBGB's. Check it out, the quality is great. Uh, 1992, they would work on their next album called Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. Another great album. Another classic. Uh, the singles on that, Bad Luck, mm-hmm. you know, uh, When She Begins. Now, that one outsold the rest of them. That was their best selling album yeah. to that point. It was everything from punk. To country, to rockabilly, to some blues influence on there. It really uh, was a mix of everything. So they really took that cow, cow punk into another level. Yeah. So pretty much they're not like how they started. They're punk, but were very heavy country influence. I always thought if they took, I always thought they had a lot of balls to go in that direction. Um, and I think there might have been some punks that were alienated by that, but that's stupid, okay, if they, if they, if they were. If you listen to the first album, Mommy's Little Monster, that's just punk rock. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty much. Great shit, yeah. okay? But there was a lot more than to social distortion than that, and I think that they had a lot of balls to throw it out there and just show it, you know? So why do they have so many fucking members? I don't know. I don't know. They, they, they're one of you know they're one of these bands that's been you know cursed by a revolving door of people. I guess maybe this, Mike Ness is hard to work with. I don't this, know. This is like this. This is phenomenal. All yeah. the names. Yeah, no, I, I, I was like, like, I was like, yeah. holy shit! I think yeah. they got the most changes in any other band I've seen. Definitely up there. Definitely up there. Uh, the drummer Christopher Reese yeah. would be replaced by Randy Carr right after that album came out. And then Carr would leave in 1995 as well. Okay, so they were without a drummer for a little bit. But in 1995, they would release uh, Mainline, a wreckage from the past. And that's a great album. It's just all the, the pre-Mommies, Little Monster stuff, the singles, 1945, uh, Playpen, uh, Mainliner. There's that great cover of uh, Under My Thumb that they My do. Thumb. Yeah, I love song. that one. Yeah. And uh, that kind of, the, the, the people, I remember when that came out, there was social distortion fans I knew that weren't familiar with that stuff. So it was cool that they, they came out. The version of Ring of Fire is great, too. Oh, yeah. You hear that version all oh, yeah. the time. They oh, even yeah. put it in movies every so often, that, mm-hmm. that, that version of Ring of Fire. Yep, 
Yep. You know, and, and Mike Ness has a very distinctive voice. Yeah. So you know a, a, a social D song when you, yeah. when you hear it. Um, then they would start working on uh, White Light, White Heat, White Trash. This came in 1995, and they got the drummer from the Misfits, Chuck yeah. Biscuits. Okay. Uh, well, he was also with Danzig, actually, at that point. Uh, there was also a drummer playing on that album that I don't think he's credited, but I'll mention him. His name is Dean Gast- Gastronovo, okay? And he was actually a drummer in Journey wow. for a little while. So that's kind of interesting they had him in the band. But I think it was just for recording the album a little bit. So the biggest problem that this band had was pretty much they drummers and bass drummers players. Drummers and bass players. They well, just, had, well, well, well mostly drummers. Mostly drummers. The, ba- the bass players, uh, they went through a couple. But mostly drummers. And that, that happens a lot in bands. You know, I don't know why. You know, it's just one of those things. Um, the big single off of White Light, White Heat, White Trash was I Was Wrong. Remember that song? Yeah. And that actually got quite a bit of radio airplay. Yeah. Uh, I think it was top 20, actually. I think it hit the top 20. Um, there was another track on there called When the Angels Sing, which is one of my favorite songs from them. Uh, that was dedicated to Mike Ness's grandmother, who actually was a, a, a big supporter of the band early yeah. on. She helped them out early on. Now, this album, uh, sadly, would be the last album to feature da- Dennis Daniel. Yeah. Because okay, he would pass away yeah. shortly after that. Um, 1997, Social Distortion would uh, leave the Epic label and join up with Time Bomb Records, a little yeah. smaller label right there. They went to a few of them. They had like yeah, four yeah, they've been through labels. a couple. Epic was probably the most major label yeah, that major they had, label. you know. Um, it was at that point that they wanted to release a live album, and they did that in 1998 called Live at the Roxy in Los Angeles. Well, well Southern California, it's like yeah. Orange County area. Um, that is, to me, you know, probably one of the best live albums of the 90s, okay? Uh, weren't that many great live albums in the 90s, but, but that was definitely one of them. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of lines, like, you know, the banter in between the songs, Mike Ness talking to the audience and everything like that, that's classic. Uh, there's one point, if I remember right, it's before maybe Ball and Chain, uh, where he's talking about punk rock and what it was like back in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, you know, if you walk down, if I remember right, he says, you know, if I walk down the street with blue hair, I'd get my ass kicked by, you know, jocks and football players and, and, and you know, good old boys and stuff like that. And, uh, but now it was all safe. So it was, you know, it was an interesting conversation he was having with the audience right there. Um, he would, they would, the band would go on hiatus at this point again, uh, and Mike Ness would work on two solo albums. Uh, Cheating at Solitaire was the first one, and there was a second one which was all covers. It was called Under the Influences. Both of those albums were released in 1999, and he went on a tour uh, by himself with a great backing band. I, I actually got to see him on that Cheating at Solitaire album tour uh, at a place called Town Hall in the West 40s here in, in Manhattan. Great show. Um, sadly, uh, like I said, that was last album was the last album with Dennis Daniel because in February of uh, 2000, he would uh, die of a brain aneurysm. He basically just uh, passed away in, in his driveway uh, at his house, and uh, 
you know, that was Ness's best friend in the band, and it was, you know, very, very destructive to the band to have him leave. Um, they almost broke up. There were rumors that they were going to break up. But he would be replaced briefly by uh, the U.S. Bombs guitarist Cadillac Tramps, and then by a guy named Johnny uh, Wickershawn, okay? And he was a, actually, Johnny was, was uh, Dennis's guitar tech, so he ended up joining the band. Now, Chuck Biscuits would quit on drums at this point, and he would be replaced by Charlie Quintana, who would be with them for, for quite a while afterwards. He was a great drummer. Uh, the band continued. Uh, they, they did some more shows sporadically uh, for the next three years. I think they were kind of like uh, dealing with the fact that Dennis Daniel had passed away. Uh, I remember seeing them, I believe it was in uh, Sayreville, New Jersey around that time. And uh, there was a, a, a level of sadness at their shows because he wasn't in the band. But they were still great. Uh, they're a great live act. I recommend everybody to see them. Um, the, the, the next three years or so, they would be touring sporadically, like I said. But in 2003, they had some demos, and they wanted to put out a new album. They wanted to continue. And they got producer Cameron Webb to make the album Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll. And that was released in September of 2004. Um, after this album was released, their longtime bass player, John Mora, would leave. Uh, he had a big family, he didn't want to play anymore, I guess. Uh, he was going to spend time with his family. So he left the band and he would be replaced briefly by uh, Rancid's bass player, Matt uh, Keegan, I believe his name was. And then the current bass player is now Brent Harding. Okay, he would take over after that. Okay, uh, Reach for the Sky would be the single off that and it would make number 27 on the charts. There was another song called Don't Take Me For Granted on that album that would make it to number 34. So they were still top 40 at that point, even with the lineup changes. Um, touring uh, off and on, they would for the next two years, between 2005 and 2007. They would be playing with various bands. Uh, the Super Suckers, Flogging Molly would be another one. They're actually playing with them tonight when we go. Uh, a band called The Backyard Babies, which are great band called the Black Halos. They all played with so many bands at that time. Uh, one good thing about Social Distortion is they always try to bring interesting opening bands with them when they're headlining. Uh, February 2006, Mike Ness would suffer an accident. He would break his wrist skateboarding. Uh, they were on tour at that point, so they had to bring in a guitar player because he couldn't play. Uh, he was just at that point, he was going to sing. So they brought in the guitarist from TSOL named uh, Ron Emery to play guitar while Ness would just sing and he would play guitar for him. Um, sadly, uh, in uh, early 2007, the original member Brent Lyles, uh, the original bass player of the first single, would die uh, in an accident. He was uh, riding his dirt bike through Orange County and sadly he would get hit by a semi uh, tractor trailer. He was killed pretty much instantly from what I heard. Uh, that year, they would release a Greatest Hits in June of that year, uh, which actually charted pretty well. Um, now, flash forward a couple years to 2009. Uh, in April of that year, uh, Charlie Quintana, the 10 years he'd been the drummer, he would leave the band uh, and be replaced by Adam Willard from Rocket from the Crypt and Offspring. Okay, now it was at that point that uh, they were going to start a European tour. 
uh, which they did in June of that year. December 29th, 2009, they would start their first South American tour. Uh, yeah, Mario's living in the house. Mario, be good, brother. Thank you, guys. All right. Uh, December 29, 2009, they would start their first South American tour. They would hit Brazil and uh, uh, I believe Argentina, a few other countries down there, and they were a hit. They were huge. They were playing in front of you know huge audiences and everything down there. Uh, actually, the Ramones did that too. Uh, they had uh, played in the 90s uh, before they broke up in South America a lot. Uh, it seemed like between the 90s and the 2000s, South America was a very hot market for a lot of punk bands to hit. Uh, both bands, uh, Social Distortion and the Ramones, would be playing in front of like 50,000 uh, 50, seat soccer stadiums down there and stuff like that. They were treating them like they were the Beatles. Um, it was at that point that they wanted to work on a new album when they came back from that tour. And it, they had some demos. Uh, it's an album called Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes. Now that would be released in January of 2011. You had a song called Machine Gun Blues was the first single. It was a nice uh, long form video that went with that. You can check it out on YouTube. Um, they actually debuted that song and they brought back some older tracks on uh, Jimmy Kimmel in December of 2010, a month before the album came out. Okay, so right now, that's uh, that's pretty much it with Social Distortion as far as new music. I got a few, more, got a few questions. Come did back they, to us. Did they have any more, um, did Mike Ness had any more um, so, running with the laws? Or? No, no, uh, he, you know, as far as I know and everything I've heard, he's been sober for a lot of years now. Oh, so he just yeah, went pretty uh, much sober then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, once the, he got out of rehab, I think that was it. Maybe there was some downfalls, I'm not sure. But uh, some relapses, but it wasn't enough to disturb the band if there was. He's a big car guy. Yeah. Okay, and I, I, I just, things that I've read about him, he, you know, he spends a lot of time fixing cars. So, you know, if you have a bad habit like heroin, you really want to kind of, get not just get off it chemically obviously you got to get it off it but you also want to have other things to do you know so i think he threw himself into the hot rod culture and uh I, I, you know so that was the way to like way uh, to get, exercise get, get, get his demons it. right exactly let me go fix a car let me do this let yeah. me do anything but yeah. not fucking I mean, pick that needle i have a i have a dvd of them uh forget what year it's from early 2000s i think and uh, the last like half hour is like an interview with him, and he's in like a thirty-two Ford driving around with a little, with a little dog on his lap, you know. And he's just giving this interview. Um, album of the week. What's the album of the okay, week? Okay, it's gonna be Social Distortion's third album, just a self-titled Social Distortion. I think it's their best. Yeah. I think if you're if you're uh, interested in this band, you don't know much by them, start with that album. Uh, definitely go back and get Mommy's Little Monster, but start with that one. Because I think it's it's a perfect mix of you know punk, rock and roll, a little bit of country thrown in, all their influences. It's a classic. Let me ask you a question: What's the lineup we've seen today? Do you know the lineup? Uh, Who's in the band? To tell you the truth, I don't know. I'm gonna have uh, to look that up. Okay, uh, they pretty much got I think the same people from the last album. Yeah. Which is already now eight years old. Wow. Okay, it's been eight years. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to look that up. Uh, 
I, I'm sure whoever it is, it's good. I was looking at the set lists. Yeah. Okay, what they've been playing lately. It's going to be a good show tonight. What do they start with? Do you know off the bat? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, come on. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. You'll be surprised. Yeah. What, yeah. If, I get, what if I get there well, late? Well, if you get there late, I'll tell you. Because I won't get there late. What are the encores? Are they doing encores also? Are they... Yeah. Of course. Maybe one or two. Yeah, because last time when I went there to that same uh, Pier 17, it's a beautiful venue, and it's like a fucking beautiful day to be out there. Definitely. Tonight's you know? going to be like uh, upper 60s, low 70s. It's going to be comfortable on the water right there. Yeah, it's going to be very nice. So it should be a great show, great yeah. band, and I, I guess the door opens at 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock, I'm sure the first band will be on by 6. So what other shows are coming in? Well, before we, before we talk about that, uh, Song of the Week... Okay, it's going to be story of my life. That's a great. I saw you uh, put that up. Yeah, that to me, and I think a lot of people, it's just a personal song. I can relate a thousand percent to every lyric in that song. You know, he's walking around, yeah. he's trying to get a job. He looks down, he's he's got holes in his jeans. Dude, that was me. Yeah, that was yeah, that, 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 that was, was great. Me. Okay, uh, not many shows coming up this week, so I kind of skipped. Right, yeah, not too many thing. shows. Yeah, um, but I wanted to talk about a book I'm reading. Uh, I'm going to recommend to everybody. Um, Richie Ramon, uh, the drummer to the Ramones back in the 80s, wrote a book called I Know Better Now. And my buddy Keith gave it to me for my birthday this week. And I started reading. I'm about three quarters through. And I got to recommend this book. It's good? It's good. And if you're even a casual Ramones fan, I mean, it's, it's not just about the Ramones. The last half of the book is about that. But... Uh, it's about a time, the Ramones stuff there, it's about a time that a lot of Ramones fans don't know about. It's like that middle period in the, in the 80s. They had three albums, uh, Too Tough to Die, Animal Boy, and Halfway to Sanity, which are some of my favorite Ramones albums. But in the history of the Ramones, Richie's been written out. Okay? Yeah. And in a lot of ways. And he's come back a little bit over the years because he's been playing the last few years. He came out with two solo albums, which are definitely good. I'm yeah. Happy. They're very good. And I recommend this book. It's called I Know Better Now. Richie wrote some songs for the Ramones. He sang on some. And he, he gave them a kick in the ass at the time when they needed it. When Marky had left in 83, they didn't have a drummer. He came and he rescued them. And unfortunately, because of... Johnny Ramone being a douchebag okay I love the guy but he just messed up here big time yeah. okay wouldn't give him t-shirt money because they used to make a lot of money on t-shirts okay sometimes I believe even it. more on record, more than the record sales yeah without okay? question and all he wanted was a, a, a bigger piece of the t-shirt cut he wasn't getting anything he was almost like a hired gun he was on salary and he wasn't even asking for more money like royalties and stuff yeah. just the t-shirt money and they were like, no. Johnny was like, no. And well, he up and left. Okay? Wow. And when he did it, he left them in the middle of a tour. They were supposed to play Trenton City Gardens, and they were stuck, you know. And uh, But read the book. It's, it's, it's a great fucking book. Um, one thing I want to do is I want to thank everybody that came to my 50th birthday party last Sunday at the International. If you're out there, thank you. I uh, had a great time. I appreciate all the, the warm wishes and whatever presents I got. And just, I was just so happy everybody was there. I got fucked up. Yeah, well, you always get fucked up. But you yeah. did especially that night. And I did too. And uh, today also is my third anniversary with my wife, Sandy. So big shout out to her because behind every great man is a great woman. 
And that's that's this girl right here, Sandy. Uh, she helps us a lot with the shows, especially the conspiracy show. If she was only taller and blonde, it would be a lot better. <laughs> uh, damn, that's cold. Damn. That's cold like, blooded. I like it the way she is. I like it the way she That's is. Cold blooded. Also, no, we love Sandy. African, African roundback. Yeah, yeah, African yeah. roundback. Also, I, um, if you haven't seen it on YouTube, uh, on the Rob Rossi channel, check out the interview that we did with uh, Bobby Steele and Diana Steele from the Undead. Uh, Bobby Steele, formerly of the Misfits. Um, it's a great interview. We're on a boat. We're on their boat. Lumped and up it's lumped on up, sea. Lumped up at sea. Check <laughs> it out on YouTube. Lumped up at sea. That's and, it, my brother. And that's on the Getting Lumped Up channel. Getting Lumped Up channel. Right? If you look for it, you will find it. And um, to everyone out there, hopefully we see you tonight at the Social D concert. Yep. Um, buy us a drink. Well, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I never turn down a drink. Me either. Even if I don't like it, I drink Even it. Even if I don't like it, man, just don't give me any Mai Tai or bullshit yeah, like my, that. Yeah, like big Mike drinks. Yeah, fucking Mai Tais. <laughs> All right, people, have a good one. Have a good week. And we'll see you next week. And I think next week we're doing Susie, Susie and the Banshees. Yeah, Susie and the Banshees next week. Uh, we'll get our goth on yep. with that. Okay, so and just remember for the next week, folks, don't get drunk. Get lumped up. up.